Well, glory. Looks like it's settling down, so let's read the word. Eh? Romans 5.17. If by one man's offense death reigned through one, how much more, much more, shall those who receive the abundance and grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ? Notice what God's plan is. God has designed you to be a winner. You are called to be a winner. See? Now you see, I can see the unbelief already. Most people think I'm a loser. Or if they don't think I'm a loser, I think you are. <laughs> so when we say we're called to win, it, 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 people have a struggle with it. You are called to win in life. It's absolutely certain everywhere you look in the Bible, you are called to win in life in every arena of life, no matter what circumstances you're facing, what difficulties you face, what obstacles you face, God did not destine you to fail, He destined you to win. He did not destine you to lose, He destined you to rise up and win and come through that situation. You are called to be a winner in life. You're not called to be a loser. When you got joined to Jesus Christ, you got joined to a winner. You are joined to a winner. He won. No matter what the devil threw at him, he won. And once he won, he said, I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'll be joined to you. Wherever you go, I'm there. I'm a winner. You are joined to me. We are going to win together. That's the plan. That's the plan. It's a good plan. Is that right? So you wonder why so many people are losing, don't you? <laughs> I wonder what a winning life would look like. What would a winning light look like? Well, you know, if we're called to reign, reigning has to do with the kingdom. It has to do with advancing the kingdom of God. To, to reign means to rule. It means to have dominion over life circumstances. But uh, the Bible describes when the kingdom of heaven is there, there's righteousness. That's a great life of God in relation to God, connected to God. But there's peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when there's a winning spirit on your life, when you are starting to prevail... There should be a number of things evident in your life. One is you're walking right with God. Two, there's a peace in your life, no matter what's going on outside you, inside you're at peace. And three, there is joy. Joy in your countenance. Not just joy that's deep, deep down, but a joy right there that comes up on the countenance. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, it's nothing to do with your circumstances. It's an inward joy that comes from being connected to the source of joy, Jesus Christ himself. So when you see lots of Christians walking around and they're glum and dumb and defeated and heavy and needing prayer, you've got to ask yourself, are you winning? And the answer is no. Not at all. Not at all. Not winning over their emotions, not winning over their heart condition, not winning over sin, not winning over their circumstances, not winning over anything. It's a very bleak place to be. That is not what we're designed to be like. We are not designed for that. We're designed for a life of winning. You say, well, I've got some real problems come up and I seem to be overwhelming. Nevertheless, in spite of that, you're still called to win. You're still called to win. Now, winning doesn't always look like you're on top all the time, but inside you can be on top. Inside you can have peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And you notice today... It was nothing that we try to create or make. There was just a joy in the Holy Ghost here. It's a spirit thing. It's what you're entitled to all the time. When you're in the flow of the Holy Ghost, when you're reigning in your life, your personal life, 
then there is a joy rises up. People can't understand it. I remember when Sergeant and I went over to, uh, went over to Sydney. I'll show you the clips of that one night. You've really got to see it to believe it. We, I took two little clips on my phone. One was uh, the first night, and oh my God, in fact, it was so bad, I just took a clip of it. The only one who was lively there was Sarjan, and he was, and there's this sort of someone up there on a keyboard, and it's clunking away, and, and, uh, and people were very down. Everyone's doing their best, but there just was no freedom. And then three nights later, after we've had a power move and God's touched them, yeah, it's wildly jumping and leaping and laughing and, and laughing. And, of course, they said, what's up with you guys? What do you want? Because you just sit there and you laugh at night. We hear you're laughing till late at night, laughing till the early hours of the morning. Get up, you're laughing. Why are you laughing? This is the joy of the Holy Ghost. There is something we have access to called the kingdom of heaven. It's within us, and we can walk in joy and in victory, and that depends on ruling in your personal life. And I want to help you in, in, in these coming months. I want to share some messages that will help around that area. But let's have a look in the scripture here. You notice this, you will reign in life. That word reign means to have dominion. To have dominion. I mean, something literally like this, to live as a sovereign ruler over a territory. So the first territory you've got to be a sovereign ruler over is yourself. That's not being a control freak. That's learning how to rule your life, your thought life, your emotional life, your belief system, your health, uh, all those kind of things, you know? need to rule over. You have a look at some people, you say, not ruling there, mate. Food's ruling you, you know? Or something else is ruling you. You're in addiction. See, you know, if you're hooked on cigarettes, well, you've not got dominion in your life. Something's got dominion over you. You're stuck on some kind of addiction of some kind. You're not reigning in your primary territory yourself. You're in bondage. You're actually a king who has been defeated. And God wants you to do something about that. wants you to discover what you can do. Now notice, uh, so we're called to walk in a foundation of authority in the territory that God has given to us. So we need to discover what is my territory, what is the area God has given me. First place is your personal life, then it's your key relationships, then it's your area of the community. But God wants us to advance His kingdom. In other words, to rule, to bring the life of the kingdom there. This is the message worldwide to the church. Wake up get out of yourself, get your life sorted out, and start to bring Christ to everyone else. Come on, that's what it's about. And so, you notice it says you're destined by God to reign. Notice it'll reign in life. Now, a lot of people think they're going to reign one day in heaven. Well, that's beautiful, but what you need is now and in life. It's here and now we need to get on top. You don't have a miserable life and then you hang on till the end and then you died. Thank God. Rest in peace as they write on it. Dear Lord Jesus, you know. It's because they've kind of been beaten up all life. Now they're resting in peace. No, no, that's not, that's not the, that's the wrong message. That's the wrong message. We're to reign in life now. To have influence now. To be effective now. To bring the life of God now. Now, today. Not tomorrow. Oh, we're going to wait till next week they'll have my retreat. No, no, no. Today. Now in life. Through Jesus Christ. It is a person enables you to do it. And there are some keys. Now you notice here, it tells so all that dominion. So if you're going to walk in dominion, you're going to have dominion over fear, over anxiety, over stress. See, some people, you observe them, you can come to this conclusion. You are in a prison. Stress has dominion over you. You are in a prison. Fear has dominion over you. You're in a prison with a doorkeeper called fear. 
Now, you see, this is what freedom is all about. This is what deliverance stuff is all about. It's actually about discovering what Christ has done for you, getting a hold of it, and breaking out. It's breakout time. Breakout time. Tell someone, breakout time. You know, I love the, there was a movie of uh, Jim Carrey's years ago called The Mask. Oh, man, I love that movie. It's just, it's just a classic. And he would get this mask, he put this mask on, and then the real person would emerge, you know? And he just went from being a, a sort of a defeated kind of person to wild and outrageous, somebody stop me, you know? He was so outrageous, you know? Well, you know, we could do a bit of that with Christians, couldn't we? I mean, Christians need a bit of that breaking out stuff. So you notice here it says that there's something we need to get a hold of for this to happen. Now, we're raised in a culture where we have to achieve. The Bible talks of a culture where we receive. So notice, achieve is different to receive. The world's system is based on achieve. You have to work hard. If you want to succeed, do this, do this, do this. Don't do that. There's lots of things you have to do. There's always something you have to do. And so we're raised in a culture you have to do something. And mostly the message you get is you're not good enough. That's what advertising works on. You're not happy, are you? Look at these people, they're happy. Do you know why they're happy? They've got this. If you had this, you'd be happy too. And you were fine until you looked at that. Now you feel unhappy. I've got to have that. But wait, there's more. You know, and so it goes on. And uh, see, so that's the world system, isn't it? So what happens when a person becomes a Christian? We get the same thinking in here. And we think Christianity is all about do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Do more, do more, do more. You think, man, it was hard before I become a Christian. It's even worse now. There are lots of things I don't do and lots of things I have to do. Dear God, it's more doing. And, uh, and, <clears throat> but the Bible talks about, really, the focus needs to be on what Christ has done. And God is bringing a fresh focus around what Christ has done, what he has done for us. Eh? And so you notice here that the key to ruling in life, the key to getting victory, has to do with your capacity and ability to receive something. It's what you receive is what enables you to get to win in life, not what you do. We keep thinking of it, if I just do this, well, then I'll get my breakthrough. And sometimes messages come, and the problem with giving lots of keys and messages is that while it's certainly practical, it can reinforce in people, I've got to do this, now I've got to do this. I'll be doing another message. There's other things I've got to do. I'll never get there. And we kind of have a message over us that if you could just let it come up out of your subconscious and put it up there so you could see it, it would read, stamp, not good enough. And that message, not good enough, will always stop you winning in life because it gets in the heart. I grew up with that message. Didn't matter how hard I worked, it wasn't good enough. And so... I came to believe a lie. I believed several, actually lots of lies, and every one of those lies built a stronghold that imprisoned me for many years. It was a stronghold not good enough, stronghold of condemnation. Condemnation means you've been tried, judged, found wanting, and you're now condemned. You have to pay a price. Your price is you have to work hard so you can be accepted or whatever. And so I, I, I developed a number of belief systems inside. You, probably, you would probably recognize some of them, you know. I'm not good enough. No matter what I do, it's never enough. 
talk about a stronghold will lead you to be in despair and, and grief because no matter what you do, it's talking to you. So you could do your best, you could do outstanding, but your stronghold says, not good enough. And that's what condemnation is all about. So you notice that the Bible says, in order to win, I need to access and get something to come into me. I need to get a hold of something. And that word there, notice says receiving. That word receive means literally, take hold of something that belongs to you. It's an entitlement you have. So what is it that we need to receive, and how do we get to receive it? That's the, that's the big question. What do I need to receive? It says there's two things you and I need to receive. We're going to win in life. Here's verse 1. I need to receive an abundance that heaps of grace. See? Heaps and heaps of grace. Abundance means there's megabucks of grace. So God has got grace available. Grace you don't deserve grace. You don't get it because you work. Grace is grace. Grace is a gift. If it's a gift, it can't be work. If it's work, it can't be a gift. It's as simple as that. If you had to work for it, it wasn't a gift. So therefore, you didn't get grace. You got something else. So grace is the empowerment of God to win in life. Grace is the Holy Spirit empowering you to do what's normally beyond your ability to do. Grace is God in you, enabling you to live a life that is powerfully different. If you don't have grace, you have law. You have things you have to do. And you'll hear it. You'll say, you've got to forgive them. Listen to the law. You've got to forgive them. Now, that's not going to help someone forgive. Not at all. It may be true, but all that does is flush up, I don't want to. They don't deserve it. Why should I anyway? The law will always cause to manifest in your life sin. And so the purpose of the law and laws and rules and things like that that God has established is to make us aware of what we're like to bring us to Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus Christ in us is how the life flows. You've got to learn how to access his life and let his life flow. Lord, I can't do this but I thank you, you in me are able to love this person through me. Lord, you are the forgiving one. You and me are able to forgive them through me. You're able to release your forgiveness to flow through me, and I can flow with that instead of yielding to my own nature. So the Christian life is totally an exchange life. It's not me trying harder. The moment you're trying harder, you now cannot win. You can't win by trying harder. Just the whole structure of the thinking in that. I've got to try harder. No, I need to stop the trying harder and actually believe and receive what is available for me. Grace. Grace, I need grace. When do I need grace? I need grace when I fail. I need grace when I have problems. Someone is being difficult. I need the grace of God to help me face up to the difficulty and walk through it in a godly way. If I have struggles in my thoughts and emotions, I need grace of God to help me to overcome that. So, in others, grace, abundance of grace. So, we're going to get on to the grace area shortly. But, uh, so, we need grace. Don't deserve it. You just got it given to you. Now, here's the problem. Well, one of the problems. We think we've got to earn it. 
We just got it fixed in our mind from years of programming. You got to do something to get God's grace. Actually, the only thing you got to do is believe what Jesus has done in such a level that you're able to position yourself to receive it, and then it starts to flow. I have discovered, and anyone who preaches discover, that sometimes when you're at your very lowest, very worst, very, uh, you know, all kinds of issues and stuff, and you feel like you're just beyond you to stand up, often that's the time God gives the best message. Because grace flowed in abundance where there was weakness. Paul, who was a great legalist and a real striver, he said he, he sought the Lord to set him free of some of the things he was struggling with. God said, no, my grace manifests best when you understand how weak you are, because then you lean on me. And he said, so my grace is best seen in your greatest weakness. Okay, so grace. So that's the first thing, God, to receive grace. We'll get on to another thing, how to receive that grace. Uh, so we notice receiving grace, abundance of grace. Second thing is to receive the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness. So what does that mean? I need to receive the gift of righteousness. It's a gift. Righteousness means my standing before God. How can I stand before a holy and mighty God? How can I stand before Him? What must I do? I know I need to pray strongly in tongues. Wrong. I know I need to sing some great songs. Wrong. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, Well, I need to really try hard to be good today. Wrong. Because all of those will lead you to one conclusion. That I can get near to God because of what I did. So the the contrary of that is this. Is tomorrow when you come, well, I didn't pray today. I can't come near to God. I didn't do anything right today. I had a lot of messy things. I got angry. I've had a row with my wife and I just dinged someone's car and I went away and I didn't say anything about it. Man, I'm really feeling bad today, you know. How am I getting near to God? This is what life runs like. And so without us realizing it, we move from a foundation of right standing with God into a life with God that actually is without God really because it depends on what I do. You can't build a powerful life based on your works. It has to be a life built on faith. Now, one of the things is every believer, and that's every one of us, must become established in righteousness. You must become established clearly and strongly in your personal standing before God and learn how to receive grace from Him. Otherwise, you will strive, struggle, and be full of anxiety and condemnation. And God doesn't want that. Condemnation robs us of intimacy with God. Condemnation is a terrible thing. Now, you notice when Adam sinned and when he fell, the first thing he did was he covered over himself and hid himself, and then he went and hid from God. God asked an interesting question, where are you? He He said, well, then, who told you you were naked? Who's been talking to you, telling you there's something wrong with you? Whose voice were you listening to telling you there's something wrong with you? You see, so one of the things we need to see is that, that, that condemnation is a heart issue. It's an issue of the heart. In uh, Romans, uh, so 1 John 3, 20 says, if our heart condemns us. The word condemn means to know of a fault, to judge you as being not acceptable and condemn you to have to do something to fix that up. I grew up in a religious system which is very like that. So condemnation makes us conscious of failure. 
when you look at your life, your real inner life, you're conscious of these sorts of things. I'm not good enough. I'm failing. There's lacks in me. When you live conscious of that, you cannot reign in life. It's impossible because you're just full of uh, pressure internally that shuts you down with a heaviness, I'm not good enough, and demands you do something to be better. So you'll either strive to be better or you'll withdraw in depression, then you have to have a drink. See, so now how does the world solve this? Well, it's got a number of clever ways of solving it. The first one is, well, we won't call it sin anymore. You've just got a problem. We won't even call it a problem. We'll just say you've got an issue. So we just relabel it so we don't call it sin. Sin has a remedy, by the way. It's called the cross. A problem. Well, I don't know how you're going to solve that. But sin, sin, a lack of faith, a lack of walking and trusting in God, well, there's always a remedy for that. And so the world relabels things. And it just puts it in clever language. And what it does is it changes standards. Uh, but it always requires that you do something to make yourself better. But here's the deal. You can't fix up condemnation in the heart. It's a spiritual issue, and it requires God to fix it. And so how do we deal with it? Well, Romans 10 verse 3 says, They, being ignorant, not understanding God's way of being established before him, try to establish themselves. So if you're not clear how God has designed you to be established before him, you will try and establish yourself. So you'll want to do things. You'll want to do more. And you'll become a do, 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 do. And you won't be able to rest inside. You'll find your burden. This is the problem that comes with it all. But there's an answer to it. Now, here's the dilemma. Religion just intensifies it. Religion cannot solve the heart issue. The characteristic of all religions is this. You must do something. This is what you must do so that God will accept you. All religions worldwide have got that. See? What must I do to be saved? Believe. Oh, it can't be that easy. I've got to do something, surely. No, no, believe. So religion will always uh, demand you do something. It will keep accusing you. Now, notice the religious spirit. I don't want to talk about this for just a moment. A religious spirit, a pharisaical spirit, it is a spirit that gets on people who are already walking in condemnation. And it causes them to condemn and judge everyone else around them. The Bible says the religious leaders lay in wait, seeking to, they listen to Jesus' words, seeking to find fault. If you are a fault finder, judger, accuser, gossiper, you have a religious spirit. You are not walking in the spirit of Christ. Jesus said, I have not come to condemn you. Woman caught in adultery. Well, there. So imagine we have someone that we know very well and suddenly they fall in adultery. Well, welcome to the church gossip line. But where's the person who will go and love and grace with no condemnation and say how easy it is for this to happen and help them get back up again? See, that's how you know the religious spirit. It's what happens when you see the failure in another person. Then it manifests. And if you are not free yourself, well, you can only minister what you've got. You've got a heap of religion. And you're condemned, and you're not good enough. And so now it actually feels good to see someone. <laughs> just, well, we would say, but we just talked. Did you hear about something? <laughs> Need to pray for them. 
No, 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 that's not what they need at all. They need more than that. People who have failed need someone to believe in them and help them get back up and get established again. And so we're called to come alongside people with the gospel of grace, not a gospel of judgment. People don't understand grace. It always looks weak, yet it isn't. It's extremely powerful. It is the message that we carry. It is the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth through a person, Jesus Christ. Wherever Christ is manifest, grace and truth are seen clearly and evident. How much grace and truth is in our life? How much grace have you received for your shortcomings and failures, which are many? You don't need someone to point them out. You already know a lot of them. What you need is someone to help you understand that no matter what failures, what faults, no matter where you may have fallen or down, Jesus paid the price on Calvary for it. He considers you acceptable before him. You can walk into his presence. Not because of what you've done, but because of who you're connected to and what he did. Our basis of coming to God is always what Jesus did. It centers around the cross and the power of the cross to bring resurrection life to all who will identify with Jesus Christ. Why do you get water baptized? Why do that in our church, you know? No, come on. Water baptism is more than that. It is my, my public declaration that my old life died at Calvary totally in Christ. When he died, I died. That's the old me. I'm not there anymore. Not only that, I went under in the waters of baptism. I'm telling you now, I believe that when Christ was buried, my old life was buried out of sight. When he rose, a new person came up. Hey, you're not dealing with the old person. There's a new one here now. He's a righteous man, a godly man, a person who loves God, a person who walks with God. You see what happens is everyone tries to bring you back to the other side of the baptism. See? That's why we get water baptism by his immersion. Say, hey, old life's buried. You only buried something that's dead. Uh, Paul used another uh, statement like it. In Romans 7, he talks about being married. He said, now listen, if you're married to someone, you're not free to marry someone else. Makes sense, doesn't it, eh? Makes you bigamous. So he says, you're not free to marry. But he said, but if the, if the wife dies, or if the husband dies, suppose you're married to someone, they die. Well, you're free to marry. So this is what it's saying is, when Christ died on the cross, you died with him to the law, the regulations, the rule-keeping, all that went with it. Why? So you could be married to Christ and walk in new life. Everyone is called to walk in freedom now. Freedom. It feels good to be free. See now, demonic spirits will exploit the condemnation you feel in your heart. They will attack you and press on you with accusations, condemnations, point out the faults, the shortcomings. Well, if you did this, if you call yourself a Christian and then you do this. Yep, I am a Christian and I did that. And I thank God that Jesus Christ has forgiven me. Have you? Do we need to work something out here? You understand? It's, that's what condemnation looks like. And what it feels like is terrible. 
You can't build anything great in God with that there. An environment of grace and truth is where Christ is seen. Hey, we need that. Don't we need that? In Revelation 12, 10, they overcame the devil, overcame the accuser. And it says he accuses us day and night. This accusations and condemnation is a relentless demonic affair. Anytime you find yourself pointing the finger, accusing, criticizing, fault-finding, and that kind of deal, you have sided with a demonic spirit, come into agreement with a demon that unleashes them against the person you're finger-pointing towards. Unfortunately, there's far too much of it goes on. Then you need counsel and help because you're tormented. You want to connect the two. Don't want to be tormented. Come on, get a standing of righteousness before Christ and break out of all that judging condemnation stuff into a grace life. Grace, the grace of God. We're here to bring grace to the world. Grace and truth and the life of God. So how can I get established in that? What it says, it tells us for us, it says, they overcame the accuser by, by working hard to be good people. Going to a seminar and learning five principles, how to be successful. Learning more, do, 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 do. No, no, it wasn't that at all. It says they overcame him by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Why? Because the blood Jesus shed legally disempowers the weapon the devil uses against us. What is that weapon? I'm glad you asked. It's found in Colossians 2.14. Jesus did this. He forgave all your trespasses. Now just stop for a moment. I'll tell you something else he did. When did he do that? Uh Uh-huh. 2,000 years ago? So you have forgiveness in advance? You have forgiveness in advance, not only for where you are up to now, all the other ones too. What are you going to do tomorrow? Hey, that's all forgiven at the cross. What are you going to do the day after? Well, that's forgiven at the cross. In fact, actually, as far as your life goes, forgiveness applies all the way through. Think about that. Most of us tend to think just the sins of my past have been forgiven. But actually, Jesus provided for everything to be forgiven so you can walk in freedom and in righteousness, in grace and in peace in your heart. Man, this is a great deal. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, what did he do? It says at the cross, he forgave our trespasses, all of them. All of them. Just agree with them and believe, all of them. Two, he, he took away the list of broken laws the devil used against us that left him armed and powerful to condemn us and oppress us, give us depressions and headaches and heartaches and sorrows. How did he do it? He took the list, all of your sins. Devil, bring that list out. All the ones that have been done, all the ones that can be done, now give me that list. Here it is. I'm going to put it on here. I'm going to take it to the cross. Now what are you going to do with the list? It's already been paid for. The whole lot. The, the fine's been paid. So everything the devil brings against you, the fine's already been paid. It's already been paid. The debt's already been cancelled. You've just got to take hold of it and receive it by faith. You align with him. You just come quickly. And so what do I do? Well, if I sin, just the Bible says, and 1 John 1, 1 John 2 verse 1, it said, 1 John 3 verse 1, has, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 
So we have a someone who comes and speaks on our behalf. Hey, I know he did this, but he's mine. And I, he's claiming that he's connected to me. He's repented of his sins. He believes in me. He's forgiven. Father, cancel that thing the devil's bringing against him. See? If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He can actually depend on him, and he will totally forgive us. So the only things that are a cause of trouble are the things you just don't actually honestly just admit to, bring it to the cross, bring it resolution around it, and then move on. Jesus has called us to walk in victory. So what do we need to do? We need to believe. We need to believe what he's done. Believe that you and I can rise up in our spirit and stand before a mighty God absolutely clean, absolutely whole on the inside. You look over your shoulder, what faults, what past, what background? I don't see any. I see the cross, and it's on the other side of the cross. Oh, when I lived back there, it was there, but now I'm living somewhere else. I'm living with the cross central to my life. I know now that whatever it is that's a problem in my life, I just come quickly to the cross, establish my righteousness again, and there I walk on in freedom. And when you are righteous, you are free from condemnation. You are free from that label, no good, failure, try harder, loser, all that kind of stuff. So how can I get it out of me? I've got to actually know what Jesus did, meditate on it until I feel in my heart the reality of it. Most of us have lived so long with the faults, we're in agreement with it. We made a judgment against ourselves. I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever. Listen, Jesus said something else. He says something you want to agree with him. I am the righteousness of God and Jesus Christ. I'm a new creation in him. I am as bold as a lion. I am made righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to get a different confession in your mouth. Say, if you haven't got that in your mouth, you'll have something else. If you don't say it, it'll be in your head. It'll come out against someone else. See, walk in righteousness. Righteous are bold. Why? They've got no one hanging. Nothing's hanging over them. Devil, you got nothing on me. You got nowhere to go, nowhere to land. I can walk in freedom. And so now I have liberty, great liberty, not having to live under the law, but living in a relationship with the living God. What about the law? Well, now I've got the power of God inside me. You know, you know very well if we put a sign up there, wet paint, don't touch, you know you're going to touch it. The moment we turn our back. So the sign never empowered you to do anything. It caused you to be aware you're a rebel inside. So the laws don't do that. I need to come to Christ Jesus. Fulfill the law in me. Lord, I don't want to just stop murdering people. I want to, Lord, not even hate people. I want to walk with a graciousness in my spirit and a love in my spirit. So I exchange my life for yours. I twine myself in you. You do it through meditation and affirming the Word of God until you begin, and then you start to live and walk like a free man. Around you, people are trying to put stuff on you. Don't wear it. If you have responsibility for something, don't be condemned by it. Just own it, fix it up, walk on. Why? This comes to the cross like everything else. Why? Because as far as your life went back and as far as it'll go, everything's been paid for. you just got to step into it by faith. Doesn't matter how serious the failure is, doesn't matter how serious the fall is, doesn't matter how bad the situation is, you step back up to the cross where Jesus Christ broke the power of accusation, broke the power of judgment, and it says he disarmed the devil. He took away the one weapon he uses against you. What is it? Unbelief. 
when you don't believe what Jesus did, you will end up not being able to rise and live in the liberty Jesus has for us. And so your life will be an up and a down, up and a down, up and a down, up and a down. Instead of today, it's a great day. I'm joined to the living God. I thank you today. You're filling me full of your spirit. I'm getting full of the Holy Ghost today because I'm joined to you. So I drink today, Lord, of your presence. I worship you. And what a great day it is. Man, I just start to stand in it right now. Anna, quickly stand up. You just see it's so easy. Just lift your hands up to the Lord. Get filled of the Holy Ghost. See? You just get in the spirit like that. Now, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. You don't have to let anyone condemn you. don't have to let anyone judge you. You don't have to let the devil put condemnation on you. Why? Because you're a new creation man. You're full of the Holy Ghost. you got the life of God. Walk and live like it's true. Walk and live believing what God says about you. Start to get a list of the affirmations of what God says. Meditate in them. Dwell in them. Speak them over your life. Hold them in the midst of the battle. They overcome the blood of the, uh, the uh, devil by the blood of the lamb and their willingness to declare, this is what I believe. I believe I'm free. I believe the power of the sing is broken. I believe there's a new life begun in me. I believe I'm walking full of the Holy Ghost today. I'm not waiting for something to happen. It's already happened and it's in me. And I thank God. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap right now, shall we? Let's stand to our feet and give him a clap. Holy Ghost. Whoa, Holy Ghost, come on him. Cheyenne, the power of God is on you, my brother. Oh, there it is. God's touching your life. Come on, let's just sing a great and victorious song.